So this is episode four of the Grip Games podcast. It is March 2nd, 2020, and I'm sitting here today with Jason Georgiana. He is the head owner of Art of War MMA, and he is the head coach for a lot of top-level MMA fighters and jiu-jitsu artists and all kinds of martial artists. Oh, it's great to be here. I appreciate this. <laughs> yeah, um, so let me ask you about when you first started doing mixed martial arts and uh, jiu-jitsu. Uh, so that was uh, in the mid-90s, like 95 actually. Um, I watched Hoist do really well in the early UFCs, and it was obviously, like, as a smaller person myself, it was really amazing to me. And uh, so that is was sort of the initial thing that got me intrigued. And once I started doing jiu-jitsu, I was fortunate enough that um, there was a purple belt under Hicks and Gracie yeah. teaching at Medford Judo Academy in Phoenix, Oregon. And by, if you don't know Southern Oregon, it's not a real big area. No, so it's I was not. lucky <laughs> in 1995 to have a purple belt who just moved there that trained under, under Hickson for a few yeah, years. Under a very high level name. And so my first coach was very much coming from that um, Valley Tudo Jiu-Jitsu background because at the time Hickson was fighting in the Pride events and stuff right so yeah that's um, a really rough style of jiu-jitsu. I mean literally yeah Paul Gurley he was my first jiu-jitsu teacher he sat he was present during that crazy thing when the Japanese pro wrestler guy <laughs> came in and tried to dojo storm Hickson yeah and Hickson kicked all the media out and then oh Hickson gosh. beat that guy up bad and then he invited <laughs> the media back in yeah I mean he was like literally like Paul was there to witness a lot of that early stuff and uh, so I was fortunate to have Paul as a teacher and we spent a lot of time on like dealing with how do we clinch opponent who's trying to strike us you know yeah. and a lot of those sort of practical things how do we take people down I yeah. mean that was half the class and a then the other half was groundwork yeah. and you know striking and so that was my early experience and then my second jiu-jitsu coach did I you guys to... have a cage or anything in your gym we didn't it was just at a judo academy yeah. so, so a handful of us would meet and, were uh, you even in the cage when you were first starting like MMA because like most, I feel like a lot initially. of yeah a lot of the older days initially. were all rings which is crazy I did my crazy. first one when I had like I had moved out to um, Louisville trained a couple years under in the gi under Alan Manganello, who's now a Pedro Sour Black Belt yeah and Alan also helped my jiu jitsu tremendously right and um then I came back to Oregon, started working out with Paul again, and then started working out with some wrestlers and boxers. And then I did a few pancreation matches, which were like Those are crazy. MMA. The only thing that was different was it was palm strikes, right? Yeah. But you could do everything else, kicks, knees, takedowns, etc. Um, but I learned that those palm strikes also uh, have an effect, you know? And so that's what I think is cool about combat jiu-jitsu now is they're bringing... I'm excited. You know, they're bringing that in and... and I am and, super appreciative of Eddie, Eddie Bravo making that yeah, a thing. I yeah. think it's fantastic. We were talking about this earlier, but, um, you know, combat jiu-jitsu is like this intermediary in between jiu-jitsu and MMA where, you know, there's an opportunity for us to learn more about how the high-level jiu-jitsu and striking interplays on the ground, you know, and and it's just really entertaining. You can really get a, a reaction out of somebody by striking them. That's oh, totally. for sure and um, it opens up a lot of submission opportunities and even passing opportunities when you're like throwing strikes in the mix oh absolutely I don't know how to react when someone's punching me on the ground but I love it <laughs> I think it's a blast but yeah well, I don't I mean, do the it's, MMA it's thing a part of your often. jiu-jitsu you know it's yeah. like just like learning some takedowns is a part of jiu-jitsu learning to deal with striking is a part of jiu-jitsu too yeah. and, and I think really in a perfect world you know everybody would have be working on all those areas you'd be working on some submission only you'd be working on some striking applications that's true martial you'd be working artists. on some wrestling yeah, yeah. if you want to have a well-rounded jiu-jitsu game um 
but there, you know, there's all these different facets of jujitsu that you can explore. But it's good to at least, even if, even though you may specialize in one of those facets, I think it's good to at least develop some basic understanding in the other ones too. Yeah, for sure. And like wrestling against the cage and everything is so much different than being in a ring. Oh yeah. Or being on an open mat because it's just like way more exhausting. I feel like. Just as it's a tool wrestlers that you can use and, for you or against you. you yeah, know? like wrestlers and MMA guys that are like really good at jujitsu are just like so gritty. Uh, it's and just spend like a lot yeah. of time fence wrestling. I mean, on my MMA team, we we spend there's three days a week where we're do, addressing fence wrestling. Yeah, and that tells you how important it is. And, <laughs> but I mean, if you're not familiar with it, it can wear you out. You know, if you're familiar with it, it can be like your third leg to rest on, or it can be the wall that you trap your it's like the on. way your back is on it i feel like your back and your hips is that right definitely you know and the, how the the intricacies of how they use their hips and their frames and their defense as far as on the defensive end yeah and then you know how do we attack that you know and, and learning to mix the grappling attempts with the striking is a big part of what we do on our mma squad you know yeah. like oh i'm trying the single leg you, you can defend fire it. off elbows i come right up with this with an elbow to your face and then i come right back down for the legs you know yeah sort of developing that that's become cage wrestling is like a whole science now yeah you got a squad full of killers too like pound for pound some of the top in in the nation i mean at least in the northwest at this point and our hope is that as you know it's come a long way since i've began coaching here yeah and to where we are now and now um i feel like yeah the next step is we've got a few people that are right on the cusp of getting into the big shows and uh um you know we're i'm gonna be really excited you know just to and I don't think we're doing anything necessarily like magical. It's just, you know, we're duplicating the formulas that have worked. And, and that's a big part of what I'm about is like copy other successful martial artists yeah. and always be able to modify your own system. I mean, we do have a system here, but we're always looking to we're, we're a bunch of copycats. You know, yeah. if something works, I want to copy it. I want to oh, integrate it. Yeah, you have to make it work. And like uh, it's always evolving. So you have to adapt to it because... If you don't adapt to it, other people are going to. Oh, totally. That's what I like tell people, like that are at jujitsu schools that don't practice leg locks. Like, what are you going to yeah. do when you go into a when tournament? Somebody does attack your legs. Yeah, and when you go into a tournament, you're getting straight ankle locks, and you don't know how to get out of it. You know, or like you're purple belt, but you've never trained leg locks, and somebody's going for a knee bar on you. Like, yeah. I have seen, yeah, sometimes when people are unfamiliar, I've seen them tap out prematurely in those situations because they're, you know, they're, they're maybe not totally familiar with all the defenses. And so, yeah, if you haven't practiced it, um, yeah, it can be daunting if you face that in competition. Yes. And same with, like, if you don't practice takedowns, you know, and then you go into your first jiu-jitsu competition and you have zero takedowns and you get manhandled by somebody on the feet, you know. Yeah, and it's pretty wild. So, yeah, I think it's important that not necessarily that we get obsessed with any one area, but that we learn to attack all the elements of the body and that we involve our wrestling, you know. T- wrestling t- is on top in mixed, mixed martial arts, in my opinion. Well, it's it, a key foundation. I yeah. Mean, and that's why, you know, not only... You know, my theory on why wrestlers tend to go and transfer well into into MMA is that, number one, if you've survived years of wrestling, yeah. you're already one of the tougher people, you're, so you've already been weeded out. Yeah. And then, number two, you know, the skills of wrestling themselves obviously are very useful in MMA, too. Yeah, it's just such, like, a hardcore conditioning in general, but also, like, wrestling is just positional, like, you're training positions. Yeah, and, and you've like, got one goal, pin. Yeah. Ten, that's it. And that's so it's it creates a very strenuous situation if literally like there's only one thing this guy's trying to pin yeah. me I'm trying to pin him 
that's more strenuous than I think than jujitsu because in jujitsu we can be a little more fluid. We can be like, you know what? If you don't want to go on your back, that's cool. I'm gonna you can be on top. You, yeah. I'm gonna triangle choke you or whatever. Exactly. Well, yeah. We can be a little more fluid. Whereas in wrestling, they're like, no, pretty much I need to get you. Yeah. To do that. Um, I like to like encourage like you know how like people that start out jujitsu have like a little bit of a wrestling background, but they're like super discouraged with their jujitsu. I'm like, I like to tell them like, hey, like. You know how to pin someone, and that's really, really good in jujitsu. Like, if, as long as you can pin someone, like once you start learning like other things, you're gonna be so good. Oh, definitely. Like, don't absolutely don't be discouraged, dude. You know how to grapple a little bit, and it's very good. <laughs> yeah, and I try to tell people like, hey, start with what you're good at. Build on what you're good at. You know, there I, there's people that I've given blue belts to that. You know, maybe they don't have the most awesome game off their backs yet. Yeah. But they're just top control monsters, right? Yeah. And they've got a great camera and great top control or great mount retention, great side control retention. You know, and other people, uh, maybe they're am- amazing from underneath and they're still working on their top control, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, at first, especially at the lower belts, you know, you of course you're trying, you're working on your defense on everything because people are constantly people are attacking you, you and yeah. submit you. But also, <laughs> I say, hey, you know what? Let's, let's, get on a couple things that you personally feel good about let's develop that a little bit so that you've got some attacks that you feel good about whether that be smother based attacks whether it be palm striking slick no, rubber guard inversion stuff yeah, yeah maybe your game is as an mma person maybe it's that sort of ground and pound style yeah maybe if you're more interested in sport jujitsu and you didn't wrestle maybe you're going to develop more of a leg attack game or maybe a, a really slick guard game you know yeah open um, guard yeah and my thing is as i teach you know i don't have to be an absolute expert at every single thing yeah but i need to know enough about all these facets so that i can correctly teach them because man maybe i'm not a every go-go plata master but one of my people could be a go-go plata master exactly every single one of your students is different yeah and that's to me that's natural because if you look in bruce lee's book tao of jikun do you know his whole thing is like you really your biggest job is at first you just listen to your teacher and you copy (laughs) Ultimately, though, your biggest goal is to find your own style you yeah. know, and learn to express yourself because everybody has a different body type. Everybody has a different personality. Yeah. Everybody has different funky moves that they're good at. Yeah. And that's a big part of developing, I think, as a martial artist, you know, figuring out like, okay, who am I? What's my game? You know, what, how do I need to entrap people? Yeah. And it's interesting to watch that. We were just talking about Tony Ferguson earlier and that's... Yeah. He's going to be fighting, hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. Going to be fingers fighting crossed. You know, like Khabib. we said, let's not talk about it too much because <laughs> the fight gods could, could you know, make it not happen. However, um, I like like I was telling you before, um, this is the only time I've ever thought Khabib could lose a fight. And I, I think Tony Ferguson will win this fight. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that because um, he's got a really fast-paced, varied stand-up style. He's got an excellent wrestling he's background. He's fast on the ground. He yeah. is not worried one bit if people take him down because he attacks from everywhere. And so, yeah. you know, um, literally, I've never picked Khabib to lose a fight. Every time, from the first time I saw him, I'm like, every time people would ask me, oh, is Khabib oh, going to beat this guy? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to smash gonna him. Smash this I knew he was going to smash every <laughs> single person. Tony, though... Tony is very unique, and I, I, I think neither one of them has fought anybody like the other person yet. But in my mind, I think Tony has enough variety of weapons and enough cardio to get Khabib. And, you know, maybe it's going to be third or fourth round. Yeah. Um, 
I Man, think he's, just he's got, one. Of, he's so dangerous. Yeah, he is in like the gas tank. He's one of the, the most entertaining. Yep. Yeah, it's it, he never runs out of gas. I he cannot get tired, and he's just smiling. Yeah, the whole time he's just he's smiling. so loose he's, in there. He he's just, an entertainer, and um, yeah. I don't watch a lot of MMA, but he's like one of my favorite people to watch. He's so entertaining, he has, dude. That Pettis fight was hilarious. They were both loving it. They're yeah. like, wow, like he's screaming fine with, <laughs> with blood that sort covered. of chaos and unpredictability. Yeah. You know, whereas Khabib, of course, is very much, much like da- Damian Maya, kind of like, I am going to take you down. I am gonna get you in a compromising he's position. And he's whereas so Khabib smashes people, you know, Damian looks to submit people. But what I like about both of those guys is they're single-minded. They're, they know that they're grapplers. They are going to control you, and they're not going to let any chaos take place in the fight. They yeah. try to take the chaos out of the fight, whereas Tony Ferguson, he thrives on chaos. Yeah, He's I, like, he'll do anything. I think like a lot of uh, what people miss in the crowd like when they're watching jiu-jitsu and MMA is like, this guy is like, there's a lot going on, and a lot of people don't get that, but like... People wear out each other. Like, they're trying to make the other person give up. And, like, it can be really hard on the ground. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Especially like, when you're going against an elite grappler. Uh, elite and, grappler and a lot of people will say, squeezing like, oh, on you like an anaconda. He's I'm not like, going to let Khabib do that to me. I'm not going to let Damian Maya do that to me. I'm just going to gonna just sprawl. I'm just going to shrimp and get my guard back. Well, you haven't oh, faced their level of... The you haven't dealt you with and, that level of pressure, you know? Yeah. And, and I respect those guys. Um, oh, it's gritty. You know, it's crazy I li- watching I like, that. I, like I said, I'm excited about this fight because I've been a big Khabib and a big Tony fan for a long time. So... This yeah. is the fight to me. I've circled on my calendar um, for months, and so I mean, I think everybody is. So let's just uh, take a you know silent prayer I here know. That, <laughs> that this thing goes forward. Yeah, let's talk about the fight at the Roseland this weekend. Yeah, um, really exciting. I've got a couple of my women athletes competing for title belts. Um, Jordan Kenawa is dropping down to one thirty-five to compete. Uh, title shot. Title shot. Yeah. So she's. It's a vacant title. She she was the 145 champ. She came off a knee injury. She narrowly lost to Amanda Lowen, who's that was a, a jiu-jitsu black belt. Awesome fight. A total brawl. I mean, yeah. uh, obviously Jordan was doing inflicting a lot of damage, but Amanda being the very skilled black belt that she is, found, found a way to get that submission in the fifth round. So Jordan... Um, you know, not discouraged at all. She was just like, hey, let's get another let's fight book. Let's do it. And they offered us a fight at 135. And me and yeah. Jordan had already talked about 135. And uh, the, the 45 cut was so easy for her. She looks great right now. She's she, actually a natural yeah. 35er. I mean, we yeah. have talked about this for a while. Yeah. So, so that's coming to pass. Um, she's fighting an elite striker this time. So now Jordan has a different puzzle to solve. Yes. Sophie who's more of a grappler, she's competing at 115. She's fighting another grappler, so that's going to be a... Who knows how those turn out? Sometimes they turn into slugfests. Yeah. Sometimes they're grappling matches, but... And then I have a couple of my Sophie's other... Sophie's getting uh, strong. She's oh, very yeah. good. She's getting I mean, it's good. really yeah. exciting. I mean, we have two two uh, women competing for titles, two of my other talented amateurs, yeah. uh, two men that are also competing on the undercard. So, I mean, I got four... If anybody's in the Portland area on Saturday, it's at the Roseland Theater. It's the FCFF, so it should be a, an amazing show. Yeah, people are training really hard out here, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Chris San Jose and Isaac just competed in cage sport last oh, week. Oh, dude, they couple killed other, it. Uh, there are a couple of my professional fighters. You know, Chris is 8-1 and one now. Um, he won by decision. Isaac won by knockout. Uh, he's 6-2 and two now. So so both of those guys are knocking on the door of these bigger promotions. That was such a clean knockout. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and against yeah. a really dangerous grappler who... 
one of my other he fighters. He didn't even grapple. That's, well, that was good because <laughs> we didn't want to grapple with that guy. Um, That's so crazy. MMA can go so many ways. We were when a little surprised when he, he started striking with Isaac and we were like, excellent, this is what we wanted. So Yeah, um, Isaac's Isaac for Isaac sure going to knock this guy out. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a good stylistic matchup for us. So, um, so yeah, so Isaac is now fighting... He's going to be fighting a really experienced guy, uh, Julian Arosa, who's a UFC vet. He's going to be fighting for the Cage Sport 145 title on nice. May, May 30th. Cool. And then Chris is sort of rehabbing his, his knee. He hurt a little bit in his fight, so we'll, we'll see him again. He's got a little bit of time, this. yeah. He's got a little time. He won't fight again until the summer, but, man, all his fights around are here. are rough, man. When one person's not fighting, somebody else is fighting. Oh, everybody stays fighting, and that's why I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> Always somebody... It keeps me pretty hungry myself. Yeah. I'm, like, surrounded by all these people that just stay hungry. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always people to train with here. And people train hard. MMA fighters are a totally different breed of people. They just... Yeah, they I mean, have no chill. <laughs> no, I mean they go hard, and that's why I've got like sort of a rest day scheduled in the middle of the week. And you I, guys I have modulate. to chill. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just say, huh, you know, you guys can come in and drill, but mm-hmm. I don't let them do any live work or anything hard on Wednesday. And then no, Sunday, that's the same way to thing. do it. You can get so broken just oh, going yeah. hard all the time. I don't know how. I mean, steroids, obviously, but but yeah, we don't want that because then they're gonna that. get. You know, if you if you need steroids <laughs> to get you to the big shows, that's then horrible, you're subject yeah. to strict testing. Then you're gonna get popped. Or you're going to go off steroids. Then you're going to feel like you're missing something. Yeah. Um, and it's know, just going to throw you off your game. What these folks really need to do is get a little more intelligent about their training. You know, like not every single practice has to be a death match. No, it doesn't. And that's why, like, in our MMA schedule, we have we sort of alternate, you know, more strenuous days with easier mm-hmm. days because – I didn't have the good sense to do that when I was fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, no. I, I was like 21. I just was just fighting, fighting, fight, 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 and go every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I would be back in the gym going super hard on Monday. And, you know, um, I've learned over the years that, like, hey, there's there's what your body can t- maximally tolerate and there's what's ideal. We want to find that ideal If you're struggling experience. through a practice, you shouldn't be rolling, I think. Yeah. Well, I luckily, I think yeah. I've created a culture on my MMA team now where people f- feel free or in my jiu-jitsu class, it's coming, hey, coach, hey, my knee's a little sore today. Or, hey, I don't know, I'm just feeling really run down today. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, okay, because there's there's nobody on my team that's, like, lazy and doesn't want to work hard. Yeah. It's, not like, it's not like people are trying to get out of work. They're just, I need them to be honest with me because then yeah. I can be like, you know what? Let's just lower your workload today. Hey, let's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like let's take care of our bodies so that then when we come tomorrow that we're, we feel better. better. Recovery we're excited and rest about is very it. important, yeah. Yeah. And, if you and, go hard and keep going hard, you're just going to keep feeling worse. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's, you either learn it the hard way or you learn it the easy way. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> no. No. I mean, in a perfect world, we would just be able to just do whatever we wanted every day, you know, just go play a fun basketball game and then come here and then go skateboarding and do whatever you want yeah. but in reality we got we have a budget that your body can handle every week and we have to sort of like stay within that budget and um, I feel like a lot, most of my fighters do a good job of that and they understand that like hey we got to take care of ourselves and eat properly and get our sleep yeah man I'm so stoked about combat jiu-jitsu worlds oh that's gonna be exciting too I mean Gosh, some of these weekends, it's like I'll be at fights, Everything but then is going on. Everything's at once. going on at once. You yeah. know, like like I even had to watch the the Fury Wilder boxing match the next day because I was at fights. You know, and, yeah. Um, this this past weekend uh, was submission on the shore. It was a big jujitsu event. Um, Coach K was on there. Yeah, I saw she, that. She, she I watched the video of her leg that locking. Girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh. wrecked that girl. Kristen I was like, damn. For those of you who don't know, what we're talking about uh, Kristen Kuhar, who's um. 
one of the uh, Tenth Planet, Planet Headquarter Blue, yeah. Blue Belts. Um, Savage. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And, uh, and then her, uh, her guy, Marvin, is, you know, a black belt down there. So if that's your guy you're, you're with all the time, he's pushing you like a drill sergeant. I'm thinking about actually going competitor. up to uh, the Seattle camp oh you can, with nathan yeah you can't go wrong man yeah. nathan's got a ton of knowledge i mean they're having the um dark arts camp up there at seattle that's right i saw that yeah, yeah. i'm thinking about going up there oh just i mean go up there catch a little time with marvin when, what's the date on that uh it's in like two or three months from now i think oh, so nice. it's in the middle of summer I oh think. i'll totally do that too if uh yeah. if i don't have a fight that weekend or something which i'll <laughs> i don't know 100 percent now but i know the time is like Everything happens. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I've always every time I've I've um every time I've trained with Marvin, I have him up here at my place for seminars quite often. It's like yeah. it's always been a great experience. And then uh, Nathan Orchard is absolutely sensational. Those of you in Seattle, should check him out. Um, Phil Schwartz in Portland. All you know? those guys. I mean, there's Sam we're, Hardy we're is on the yeah. yeah Sam, Sam Hardy, Hardy is going to be students. on Combat Jiu Jitsu Worlds. I'm wondering how that's going to go because I think Tim Plant. 10th Planet people go really well with the, the jiu-jitsu worlds. We only practice combat. no gi, so yeah. if you only practice without a gi, you're going to be ready to pra- you know, to compete without a gi. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think he's he hasn't really dabbled in MMA, has he? He's just a jiu-jitsu guy. Not that I know of. I mean, I can't say that 100%. I'd have to look up like you know his record and stuff, but I believe I thought he was just a jiu-jitsu practitioner who's decided to do combat he's, jiu-jitsu. And he's he's, going, I've heard he's yeah. a beast. He's doing well. I think I think he's going to do really well. Yeah, well, I'm I'm always rooting for those guys, you know, represent the Pacific Northwest, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have such a density of talent in the Pacific Northwest. We you don't always this region doesn't always get the recognition. On no, the not at level. all, not um, at all. But there's a lot of talent here. Oh, <laughs> considering the limited population that we have compared to other parts of the country, and the the high number of athletes that come out of here in in MMA and Jiu Jitsu, mm-hmm. you know, um, the West Coast has got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, there's just stuff going on as far as, like, competitions and things as well, too, and people are always just training for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you kind of have to be, you know, like, we're we're always in, you know, if, if we're not in training camp, then we're just in, I just call it the martial arts lifestyle. Yeah. I'm like, my, my guys wish, or girls will get done with tri- yeah. fight, and I'm just like, well, just time for you to enjoy the martial arts lifestyle yeah. for a little while now. Go to classes, learn moves, have fun, you know, and then and then we can push your body really hard when it's time to compete again but yeah that way i think you sort of like you know can still get better but then also not burn yourself out oh yeah 100 percent. do you think um there will ever be like small combat jujitsu like you know how they do well they have combat jujitsu worlds right now but i'm pretty sure they do like small combat jujitsu like super fights at certain promotions but like I, I know it's harder to regulate because, like, you have to get licensed. You have to have the athletic commission yeah, involved, to, yeah. Because well, there's blood and there's You could easily do it um, on an MMA card, like, because I've seen many times on MMA cards a regular jiu-jitsu match, right, as, like, yeah. an intermission, like, a change of pace. Why not have a combat jiu-jitsu match, you know? Oh, man, I mean, that'd be so awesome. You could easily do you that don't see the athletic that commission's often. already there. Yeah, you don't see that, like, I, I don't know if it's because it's, like, a newer, like, thing but like you never really see that maybe but i would love to see that i think so too i mean i think it'd be awesome i mean maybe they're thinking that oh well these are mma fans they're they're not going to be satisfied with combat but i'm just like to me what's interesting about combat jiu-jitsu is you're allowing people to focus on the groundwork and the striking right so you're sort of taking all the kickboxing and all that stuff out of it and just it's like a laboratory of ground and pound and how to avoid getting ground and pounded and still work your jiu-jitsu game or how to use the ground and pound to set up your submissions Mm -hmm. to me 
you know, that's a really important part of the overall MMA game. So, um, you know, I think it's a great sport that we have now available, you know, whether it's because people want to start getting into combative elements from jiu-jitsu or whether maybe you have an MMA fighter that just wants to refine their groundwork a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great um, and entertaining sport, and I would imagine it's going to really, you know, continue to catch on. I think on. it's going to boom, in my opinion. I think it, it's a really entertaining. <laughs> oh, I agree. And, I mean, obviously, we're we're probably, like, because of the people we hang out with, we're a little biased, <laughs> and, the, and the, the friends we have on social yeah. media, we're like, well, of course, doesn't, doesn't the whole world know about combat jiu-jitsu? But, um, but I think, yeah, in time, you know, it can grow and get the same recognition that MMA has, right? And the yeah, same recognition MMA is that like, kickboxing or that regular jiu-jitsu has. Yeah. Do you like, um, what organization for MMA do you prefer over, um, like, what's your favorite? I mean, you're talking about, like, regionally here or, or just, just in general? Maybe? I mean, worldwide. I mean, there's several that are at the top. I think one is awesome. Obviously, yeah, uh, UFC uh bellator one fc yeah uh professional fighters league you know those are all um, bellator is awesome yeah i mean the nice thing now is um you know there's more than just one option right if you're a competitor and then if you're a woman then you've got invicta right it's like there's there's more than one they treat the women right there which is very awesome oh it's great and yeah you know jordan and sophie one day will be professionals you know my two amateurs that are competing for titles this weekend hey and honestly (laughs) you have a great opportunity to move up in the world if you are a woman that can fight you know you're de- you're you're competing against a smaller talent pool at the moment and so i, I told tell jordan and sophie all the time it is i go much, you actually have yeah. a shorter road to the top if you do well than some of the guys just because the numbers are in your favor yeah you, you don't have there's to, not as much not competition as and it's coming up like crazy. it's coming up now's so the time now's to get a foothold because yeah. 10 years from now I mean, I know that when I first started MMA in twenty years from twenty years earlier, it was very rare to have female bouts. Yeah. Now it's it's there's tons of women that compete, right? Because yeah. it's much more well known, and so there's we're we're getting a lot of just these talented athletes. Just like the jiu-jitsu tournaments. Just like, like jiu-jitsu. Just like any sport, you know, <laughs> any sport that's been around for a while, you're going to start to recruit talented athletes, and many of those talented athletes are going to be women. Yep. Um, I I foresee ten years from now. I mean, it's going to be even at another level because it seems like every time I watch the women fight on UFC or Bellator... It's exciting. They're going out on their shield. Yeah. They're, they're not... They, I they, feel they, like they're, women... They're, like, representing. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. like, we cannot let our fellow women down. We yeah, have we got have to fight to go hard. balls to the wall. It just seems to be that's something how, I've noticed, That's how man. I feel like most women feel because, like, it's not, like, it's been viewed as a man's sport for so long. So, yeah, like, most women just want to show up and show they out. They want to show up and show out because yeah. it had originally, especially, you know, a very uh, macho, you know, sport and, and in many gyms across the country, you know, there's still, you know, it's a more of a male demographic. It's a very macho environment. So now, though, I mean, and women and gyms have to work hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oftentimes, you know, like look at Sophie; she's the smallest one on the mat, and so, you know, they're you're giving up size. Oftentimes, these women. I mean, I train the women right along with the men, and so and so you're savages. training with like males who yeah. are maybe a little bit physically stronger in the upper body than you, and you're having to deal with that, and you know, it creates some serious mental toughness. That's why they're tough. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I they mean, know, like, you have to develop a, a certain style of, like, grappling and jiu-jitsu with MMA to, like, coerce that, like, you know, the size difference. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I and mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, jiu-jitsu has always been a really cool art to me because, to me, it's one of the martial arts that really lives up to what martial arts are supposed to be, which is it's supposed to let a slower, smaller, weaker person 
you know, at least defend themselves and maybe prevail against yeah. a bigger, stronger, faster person. And jujitsu really does that. And it's, I love it when I look out on the mats and I see some of my 140 pound guys, some of my 120 pound women who are out there dominating and wrecking big people <laughs> that maybe they're not as, you know, yeah. they're, they're more skilled then. And, yeah. uh, and it's cool, you know, to watch jujitsu working like that is, it's, it's, you know, it's to me, it's what got me hooked in the first place, watching Hoist Gracie do it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really rewarding as a coach when you see these smaller athletes it's, being able to do just fine using yeah. their jujitsu against bigger people. It's crazy watching like the, like the old pride fights where like there's barely like the techniques there, but oh it's goodness, like yeah, just but... like closed guard tight, like yeah. very basic, like so fundamental yeah. jujitsu, but it's so good. And now it's like rubber guard, go, go, Pilata, oh, totally. Oma Pilata. Like well, you got like, I saw a knee bar from the back one time in an MMA fight. Yeah. I was like, what the hell was well, that? That's what? crazy. You know, due to the internet, <laughs> now the internet has accelerated the growth of knowledge. Because yeah. when, when I first started doing jujitsu, you had whatever your teacher knew, right? Your teacher showed you whatever they knew. And then once in a while, you'd be lucky and you'd get some visiting black belt to do a seminar. Or maybe you would like, I would save it up and I ordered these Mario Sperry instructional DVDs, right? Yeah. And, and so you would get those, boom. Nowadays, I mean, there's so much information on the internet that this anything that works, people you are going to share. Yeah, and so you literally just sit on Instagram. I yeah. feel like and watch these videos of people doing stuff, and you get a little wild hair up your ass. Totally, and like, and you're like, you know what? That uh, could work for me, and that's now the challenge for students. It's yeah. information overload, so you have to filter that information. You have to be like, okay, it can be a good and a bad thing. Yeah, like, yeah. and I think what I tell my new students to do is, hey, new students, don't just just that. listen to your teacher. Yeah, don't listen do to that. the coach. Okay, <laughs> the more experience you get, I think the more useful the internet gets because then you have the capacity. You can look at twenty videos and be like, you know what, these two videos. That's the shit I need to practice because yeah. that's going to work for me or I need to work on that, right? And, yeah. and you develop that filter. And you filter. know the mechanics already and stuff so you're not liable to yep. get too hurt or like hurt yourself doing it, yeah. Well, like, uh, you know, um, my my first coach, as I told you, he was under Hicks and Gracie and he told me, um, he goes, yeah, Hicks and he used to have this thing where he'd say, um, you know, when you're a white belt, you're like a baby, you just cry for food. And then when, yeah. you, when you get to be like a purple belt or brown belt, then you're going out and you're like making your own food and cooking and eating it. Like you're, getting, you you, you're learning how to fish basically. And, yeah. and honestly, like um, I've just been really lucky because I started out, um, you know, with like a, a Hicks and Gracie purple belt. Then I trained with a Pedro Sauer a student who's now a black belt. Then I trained with a couple of Eddie Bravo's black belts. You know, I trained with yeah. Gerald. I trained with Brent Alvarez, who's sensational. Both of those guys have different They're things. They're so good. You know, so I was lucky to get to train with both of those guys. Then on top of that, just all the MMA experience I've had, you know, learning to assimilate like, okay, here's the stuff I really need to my MMA guys to practice. And okay, here's the stuff that we need to practice in jujitsu. And like, it's just amazing. The knowledge, to me that, yeah. yeah. That's like the past three years for me too. <laughs> it's and now all changing. I, I'm just constantly, you know, I'm always trying to like reevaluate and question everything I do. Man, is this really the way I should be doing it? Is there a better way? Is there a better way? And, you know, sometimes there the could is always no, but be a better often way. The answer is yes. Like, oh shit, there's that yeah. little detail that I didn't know. And I mean, it's great now that I've got enough advanced students. I mean, these guys are constantly bringing techniques to me. Hey coach, have you seen this? You know, look what like, I did in class like, the oh, other day that no. really worked for me. Right. Especially I mean, in the MMA stuff. Cause MMA is like a whole different ballpark. Oh, you yeah. Can, I mean, all of it is, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly learning, you know, new MMA, new fence wrestling, new jujitsu techniques, new striking techniques. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, like one of our the main things that I think makes us successful here is we're very open minded and 
Um, you know, if you're not constantly modifying your system and your techniques, then chances are you're falling behind. Yeah. You have to adapt. You have to adapt and you have to constantly create an environment where your advanced students feel free to contribute, right? Because yeah. they're resources too. In my mind, it's like, yeah, I want the white belts. They just need to watch. Like, hey, just do the moves, you know? But when you get your purple belts, your brown belts, your advanced black, you know, guys that are experienced or your professional MMA fighters, yeah. your people that are constantly com- competing like you are in jiu-jitsu, right? You know, th- it's valuable. Th- there's valuable information to be had there from from what watching the roles, you know, watch people. Oh, my goodness. Look at I what think, they just did. Yeah, I uh, actually learned more because uh, I, I watch jiu-jitsu pretty much daily and even like MMA fights and stuff I like to watch them too but I think I learn more from watching competitions than I do from instructionals 100% yeah I mean they're both great you know it's yeah. just um, yeah sometimes it's nice to have that breakdown where the person's explaining step by step and sometimes yeah. you just see it and co- you see what they do and you're like oh my goodness look yeah. what they just did Wow, I could do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, man, I need to teach this to so-and-so. Yeah. You get on that, I'll get on Instagram, I'll tag, hey, tag so-and-so, <laughs> dude. Are you seeing this, this shit out, here? Yeah. Look at this. That was me today. You, you I need to download some, this. I saw some crazy guard fight today. It was a gi one, but I was like, oh, my God, this is the craziest shit ever. It's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, honestly, I mean, there's really no limit to it. I'm just like, I always try to do some continuing education daily. You know, sometimes yeah. it's... 20 minutes of watching videos sometimes it's an hour or two yeah uh, sometimes it's just looking back through my notebooks and my notes and being like you know trying to like oh shit man i forgot about that but it's just a continuing learning process and that's what's cool about martial arts you know it's not like it, it's it's a bit complex and so um, it carries out it carries out to your like everyday life i think so because if you have the discipline to apply yourself to something this difficult and this complex you know that's going to carry over even though the principles may be simple right yeah the principles are simple but the details of application and technique yeah. they're very complex right and sorting through all that and like figuring out okay what's the optimal way for this body type oh yeah. wh- how should i teach people with this body type how should i teach people with this body type how should i teach the big people from the small people is there, i love you know? that like i was actually just talking about that on my i think my last episode but i was just like when people know how to break down things um, like oh yeah break down oh, things yeah. like yeah, yeah, wait, wait. um hold on we'll pause it we're gonna take a short break jordan and sophie yeah, yeah. <laughs> savages just like we were talking and there's there's so many um different techniques to work for different athletes you know some some th- some fighters need certain techniques other fighters need other techniques and uh that's part of my job as a coach is to try to ascertain that you know yeah you have to really change the body mechanics when you're working like a smaller person versus a bigger person yeah or like any or just kind of a size. more muscularly built person yeah, versus a long a skinny person you yeah, know and that's, that's crazy um that's you know what we were just talking about it's like that's a lot of the <laughs> try challenge try leg locking i try leg locking longer well, people it's you know like what so i've learned is sometimes. like <laughs> there's no perfect curriculum because the reality you know the best it's what i try to do is hey we're gonna learn how to wrestle and we're gonna learn how to grapple on the ground we're gonna learn how to attack the whole body yeah and i'm gonna pick some moves that are gonna require you know they're gonna favor this body type and some moves are gonna favor this body type but i'm gonna try to at least give the students options at every juncture so that you know if you can't do rubber guard or if your legs are you know a little bit uh too stocky or this or for there's certain moves hey we're gonna yeah. have a backup move for you that you can do you know that's Always really all you can do as a coach is to try to at least 
you know, make it, a, uh, you know, give, give some good possibilities for everybody. And, and ultimately, you know, since you're trying to train so many different kinds of students, you have to do a little bit of everything, right? Because you never know what's going to be right for a certain student. Yeah. And, and like we were, we were talking about earlier, like I'm a big believer in the idea that, you know, just because as a coach, I don't have to be an absolute master at every single thing, but I have to understand them well enough to teach them. Very well, yeah. Because somebody could just... I've had it several times where I'll, I'll teach a move to somebody that I'm, I'm okay at it, but I, I kind of know... I know the basics. And I then teach you it. watch your students. Then I watch them and they just like, fucking take off with it. Yeah. And then they're just and assassinating they're... people with that move. Yeah. And it's having like, everybody in the gym, yeah. Bravo. <laughs> now you, my work is done. Now it's time for you to take that <laughs> road, take that with. You yeah, know, I didn't even do it very well, and he's over here killing everyone. <laughs> well, that's why I like it not happens. listening to Eddie talk because he talks about, oh, this person's a rubber guard master. Yeah. This person's a clinch master. Marvin was talking a, about the... Um, this person's a lockdown master. Yeah. This person's Jeremiah a Vance, truck master, right? Jeremiah Vance, how he wasn't a leg locker and now he's a leg locker. Right? He's like, how did that happen? Well, one of the things that's cool <laughs> that I've noticed that Eddie does that I, that I try to emulate is he empowers all of his advanced students to yeah, do be independent things. thinkers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he'll watch them and pick apart things, you know, from their game and... Uh, you know that's that's a cool thing because not all coaches are like that. Some coaches are very much like, "Hey, do this, this is the way I this is the way I this do it." This is our that's this it. This is our book, and we're if sticking this, to yeah, it. Yeah, and this is it. I've written these techniques on the wall. They are in the salt tablets, and these techniques can never change. Don't heal. Hook. That's not realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's not realistic. You know, it's we're constantly modifying things, and if you're not, then you're falling behind. Yeah, rubber guard is so good in MMA. I think it's got great potential. You know, you have to sometimes grip a little bit differently unless you want to get your hand caught. But then again, I saw I saw a guy get a dead orchard the other day. Mm-hmm. It might have been Eddie that posted it, but That's the me. person left his Dude. hand under his shin trap. And then he elbowed it's the probably person stuck with his on one. The glove. Yeah, yeah, and that's the trick. Is uh, you know, what when, when I'm getting like a dead orchard from there, I'll often like I'll get ninety nine percent of the dead orchard, then I'll slip my glove out and then I'll complete it. That's but I've also a seen high guys go over submission. the top. Oh, for sure, but but I mean, I, like I said, you know, I've seen people with one arm elbow their opponent into submission. You know, I watched a video the other day and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't yeah. even necessarily have to get my hand free in that the position. The posture's broken. You're destroying this guy with elbows. Like, even if you just go rubber guard, go omoplata, they roll out. Now you're on top of them. Yeah. That's a success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely, you know, rubber guard has gotten a bad rap. People that, oh, it's hard on your knees or whatever. Like, well, you just have to have a you little have flexibility, but mainly you got to hold it properly and you got to take your angle. Yeah. And that's what makes everything easier. If you mm-hmm. do it right, just like anything in jujitsu, yeah. there's no one perfect tool. It's just one way to control people's posture. And, and it's if powerful. something is uncomfortable, don't force your way through it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> people, you know? yeah. I Work think on like, your flexibility yeah. a little bit, you know? And um, People get in these positions and they're just like, oh, I can do this. This is fun. And the next thing you know, they blow their knee out or something. It's yeah, like, you should always stay within yourself. And I mean, there's some moves that I can't body. do because I'm too skinny. Yeah. And there's some moves that there's some a of lot my of stuff I students can't do because they're too muscular or yeah. they're too thick, you know? And that's fine. I that's just people, different body types. Yeah, I tell people all the time on my left side, I had knee surgery on my left leg and I cannot play De La Hiva at all. So I have to play a completely different, like, modified. Like, if I ever want to play that kind of guard, it's completely different. I just, yeah. like, for some reason cannot hook the I find hook the, the same thigh. thing with my left yeah, knee. I have, it's I have just trouble so getting in there. I can easily do it on my right side. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, everything's different. 
Well, sometimes if you have like a meniscus issue or a knee that's been, you know, injured in the past, I mean, that's just, you learn to work around it. You know, you learn to find things that you can do with that side without injuring it. Oh, it's so good to evolve. That's another way of evolution is training through injury. And learning what your body will tolerate and what it won't, you know? Yeah. (laughs) um, Believe me, at at age 47, I've learned like how to, how to stick with things my body will tolerate. Yeah. it, It lets me know if I'm doing some stupid stuff. Dude, did you see that? I think Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell are fighting again. Again? Didn't they just <laughs> think fight I saw, a while ago? And... I could be wrong. Don't quote me, but I think I saw, like, oh a poster or, like, some kind of, like, hype. Oh, okay. Well, I'm like, man, is that's, that's a little played out, UFC. Come on, Dana. Well, but I, I thought that was maybe in, wasn't that in Bellator? It, it might have been. Because I think Bellator has, a, you know, and on one hand, I like it when, like, masters level athletes who are in their they're retired maybe they're in their 40s they have a chance to compete again i think that's they cool as long as both guys are in shape and working yeah. out hard what i don't want to see is two 45 year olds fighting and one of them in shape and one of them who's not in shape yeah and then the it's guy that's not in shape just gets fest. murdered yeah. you know um but yeah i mean i think there's a place for in fact i mean i think it'd be cool if there was an actual masters division yeah, uh, maybe you make one over 45 and one over 55 or something um, that would be cool be because, crazy. and I honestly think that as people who are in the first, you don't first see an older guy fighting a a younger twenty no. year old athlete that's like in his prime. I'm certainly not going to do that. No, <laughs> but I think there's some potentially interesting matchups. Again, assuming both guys have have continued to train and stay in shape, which I know a lot of people my age have been involved in MMA forever and. There's a lot of guys like me running around out there or guys that were big names in the sport like like Liddell and Tito and they've retired now. So as long as they're willing to actually really, you know, go through the training camp um, and prepare themselves, I'm all for it. Yeah. If but it, you definitely don't want to see somebody that's just out of shape and they're 45 or 50 and they just step in the cage and then, you know, that, that's sad, man. Nobody wants to see that. Yeah, it's pretty sad. <laughs> so it's hard enough to be a middle-aged man without uh, without being out of shape too. <laughs> yeah. So that that's going to wrap it up. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll always talk forever about MMA and jiu-jitsu stuff. I know. I love talking about this stuff, too. It was nice having you. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, of course, I will see you very soon on the, on the mats in class. But I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Heck, yeah. Thank you.